Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week's Iowa caucuses started off the 2020 election season with questions about counting and security. On today's show, we take a look at how those questions are being handled in Arizona. Arizona Democratic voters head to the polls in March for the state's presidential preference election. We checked in with the state's top elections officer, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, to ask about election security and how her office is working with officials at the county level. Well, I I feel very confident saying that our elections are secure. Um, You know, it's not a secret that Arizona is going to be targeted. People have been talking about that since 2016. We are a state that has um, is going to have some hard-fought national races. So we have been working from day one since I got in office. Um, we have many partners in the federal government that are focused on election security, FBI, Homeland Security, and folks around the state. This is what they do. I was in a room a couple weeks ago with a security briefing, and the room was full of law enforcement folks that are focused on keeping our elections secure. And we've been working to make sure that um, the counties as well um, have those connections and um, we're sharing resources and information. And finally, we're sharing dollars with them as well. The previous administration received about $7 million from the federal government for election security, and the counties didn't see any of that until uh, I came into office. Um, So uh, we're working to make sure that they have those resources as well. With all of these issues from phishing to hacking and all kinds of things like that floating out there, is there one issue that, for lack of a better term, just keeps you awake at night? Yeah, I think really the bigger threat, um, and this is not just me saying I think this, this is coming from folks around the country, um, is are these campaigns of misinformation because they're much harder to combat. And social media allows people to spread messages like wildfire And we know that there are foreign actors targeting us with misinformation. And the the purpose and the intent, the purpose and intent of of meddling in our elections in any way um, is to undermine the confidence in the system and really attack the system itself, which is, you know, foundational to our to our democracy. So we are working really hard uh, to work with other election officials around the state Um, and make sure that voters know where to go to to get trusted information. Election officials are the trusted source for information related to elections. Other than bad information via the the Internet, be it from international actors or even bad actors in this country, is there any real evidence of voter fraud in Arizona, at least on a widespread basis? There is not. Is that because our system is so secure or are Arizonans just good people? Well, I mean, we have a lot of of, of processes and systems and laws in place uh, to help prevent voter fraud. You have to show documentary proof of citizenship to even register to vote in our state. Um, To vote at the poll, you need ID. If you're voting early, your ID is verified through your signature. We have a lot of things in place. So uh, and, you know, uh, the cases that have been prosecuted, I think, show that the that those systems work and we're able to catch people that are acting not in good faith. In general, I think the best fail safe against um, any type of sort of tampering with election results is that we have paper ballots 
And so whether that's a mailed-in ballot or a ballot that you vote at the polls, we have that paper backup to confirm that election results that are reported are the actual election results. Your office uh, recently issued a cybersecurity handbook for candidates. What type of cyber emergencies do campaigns and candidates have to worry about? Well, I think it's, you know, we saw this in 2016 with the DNC hacks, right? Anyone is vulnerable to having their website, their email, whatever hacked. Um, And in a situation, a, a political situation, you know, that probably amplified a little bit. And so we want to make sure that candidates um, and other political committees have those tools to protect themselves because they're really important partners in making sure that our elections are secure and that and helping to keep uphold the, the public's confidence in the security of those systems. We're talking with Katie Hobbs, Arizona's Secretary of State. You mentioned earlier that your office has given out grants to counties uh, regarding election security. What what did some of that money go for? So this is uh, money that was issued in 2018 by the in March of 2018 by the federal government specifically for um, election security, and it can be utilized for software, um, physical security needs, and um, so we, um, when we got into office, we sort of had to figure out how much was still available. Um, and then we put in place a formula. So there's a base amount that every county gets based on their amount of registered voters. And then on top of that, um, we are working with the counties to get um, security assessments that are available through Department of Homeland Security, and they do cyber and physical assessments. So um, things like enhanced uh security for um, where machines are stored um, or a, a ballot box to transport ballots from the polling site to the tabulation center. Those are examples of things that these dollars can be used for. We recently were awarded additional dollars. Uh, I, the state's going to have somewhere around $8 million to where we'll be able to add to, the, to, the, um, to those fortification grants for the counties. Your office also put together an election handbook, uh, the first time that's happened since 2014. Why was that such a big deal? Well, the election procedures manual is required by statute, and it's required to be updated every election because election law changes. And um, and so the, the handbook does a few things. It um, picks up where statute leaves off. Um, statute isn't necessarily super prescriptive and the procedures that need to happen, and this handbook can spell them out more clearly. Um, it ensures that federal law is complied with um, at the county level, and it um, it ensures consistency across the state. So if you're a voter in Coconino County or Yuma County or uh, Santa Cruz County, you're going to be treated the same way. I can't understate the importance of having an updated procedures manual as we head into the 2020 election year. This was a big bone of contention between the counties uh, and the previous administration um, that they didn't have that procedures manual. So uh, it was critical for us to to get to work on that right away when I got into office. So what's the big takeaway for voters listening to this? First and foremost, I want to assure voters that we have dedicated professionals across the state who are insured to the safety, the security, the fairness of our elections. Um, And we're doing everything in our office every day to um, ensure that those things happen. Secretary Hobbs, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you. That was Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. 
We asked a few people in downtown Tucson about why they are or are not planning to vote in March's presidential preference election. Here are their thoughts. I think it's exciting to have some dialogue about some topics that are really prevalent in our society, and I'm interested to see what the Democratic candidates in particular and what their plan is for addressing our current president in the primary election. I pretty much vote every uh, election that comes up, yes, so I do. Well, I just re-registered as a Democrat from an independent to uh, allow me to vote in the preferential election. I look forward to uh, throwing my support behind Bernie Sanders. I mean, I don't follow it, it's just, it makes me too anxious. I don't know, it's just like, there's too much involved, like there's too much. Everyone's bad and good, like literally everyone has done something wrong, everyone's done something good. It's just whoever's more for humanity. The last time we got Donald Trump as president, what's the point? This whole world is just like, it's coming to an end. With politicians, it's a joke. I just vote because I'm a registered voter. I really um, don't have my preferences anymore. It seems like when I do, it don't, it don't always go my way. And so I just always vote because they say your vote counts. So that's why I vote. Those were the voices of Kate Vaselli, Jerry Anderson, Raquel Gutierrez, Sharon McKinney, and Anna Wheat. Election season is underway, so this week we're talking about ballot security. In Arizona, 70 to 80 percent of voters cast their ballots by mail, and sometimes there are problems. But Pima County recorder Fan Rodriguez says if there are issues with your ballot, her office will call, and you don't have to worry about the notification being a scam. In our truncated phone lines, it'll say Pima County government. So that's one instance. It's not going to be coming from somebody's cell phone. It's going to be truncated to Pima County government. If we send you a text, it is going to say, probably I'll make sure because we're buying a new program, saying this is Pima County government, we have a question about your signature on our ballot, this is the phone number you can reach us at, you know. So we're giving them the phone number to, to come out. Or they can always call the main office and we'll transfer them over to the problem ballot team because we'll say, what is this call regarding? So there are safeguards, you know, out there. There's one thing that we want to get out to the people is that we don't go to somebody's house. We will send them a letter, we may send them an email, or we may send them a text. But we don't go out to somebody's house to go say we're here to pick up your ballot. How often does your office go through the voter rolls to make sure they're accurate? Because as you said, people move out of the area, uh, people die. How, how often do you clean those rolls? We go four times a year. We bump our voter registration file. We just finished right now in preparation for the presidential preference election where we take our voter registration file and we, we bump it up to the national change of address, which is the information you, you fill out with the post office, okay? So then we start our chasing. Did the voter move within Pima County? They get one type of a letter with the voter registration form saying update. Did it move to um, within the state of Arizona? but outside of Pima County, they get another letter um, saying you moved out in a voter registration form saying send it to that county. Or if you moved out of state saying you have 35 days to notify us um, and they get a tear off, we pay for the postage paid coming back, 
saying that you are canceled, no longer live in here. The death, well, we get, we take information off of paid obituaries. We have several newspaper, Star, Green Valley News. I even saw some of the Northwest Explorer because people were paying. We can get the pertinent information. We get their full name, date of birth, things that we can identify uh, of a voter, and we will cancel um, them that way. We also get the death notices from um, the health department, the state health department, or somebody can provide us a copy of their death certificate. So we'll, we'll move uh, their loved ones off that one too. Let's talk about ballot security. I fill out my ballot, I put it in the mail, just like I'm supposed to, and off it goes. There have been accusations that maybe that's not that secure. What's the security until it's counted? Well, what it is is that we have on our, our website is called um, ballot status. So that the voter, we have a voter on the, the ballot affidavit, we have a barcode with the voter's number. So as soon as we image it on here, we're taking a picture of it, in other words, where the front and their signature, um, that will lock in saying this ballot has been accepted by our office. Well, if they check their early ballot status, that'll be the first clue that they can check. And then we go through the signature process. Well, an operator will be sitting at a computer like this. If they, they like the signature, um, they'll do accept, and it'll clue in on the next message we'll see on that early ballot status report is your signature has been accepted. And then when we do the turnover, which we explained, it's getting 5,000. We have 45 We have forty-five workstations. We have people all over accepting signatures. So when we get around 5,000, we run them, and it'll say it's been turned over and you are identified on, you know, it could be D4051. That's what you are. And it'll say that on the, the ballot status. And then when we turn it over to elections, it'll say, It'll, that your ballot has been turned over to elections for tabulation. Now, if you're the type of voter that, oh, we got that signature and we, we're questioning it, doesn't look like yours, then it'll be the message. We, yes, we did receive your ballot. However, you need to call us and it'll give you the number because we are questioning your signature that we have a problem with. It doesn't match what we have on file. So you'll get a, a lovely conversation with one of my staff members asking them key questions and making sure that we are actually talking to the right voter. They will ask questions of my staff for saying, you're making sure that they're comfortable that they're actually talking to somebody officially. And um, then we will accept their ballot and we explain to them that they'll be getting a letter from my office after the election so we can get a better signature so we don't have to be making that call for the next election. When it comes to checking signatures, it's not just one person making that decision whether my signature matches or not. Correct. What we do is we have a process. We, we do have a forensic um, a teacher that comes in here and, and teaches, a professional uh, here in the state, and the recorders do this throughout the state. So I will invite like Santa Cruz County employees, the recorders, Graham, Cochise County, Maricopa will take care of those counties up there in the northern Arizona. So the recorders, they, they usually pay for this, so we have two classes, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. We're not experts, okay, but they tell us and they teach us what to look for if somebody's trying to mimic. You know, it's amazing on the things, because people either have a stroke up or a stroke down. Did they lift the pen? And I, because usually your pen flows. We also touch base that there's a segment of population we're running into that don't write. Everything is 
printing now. They don't do cursive, you know. So we're, we're understanding and doing that one. But we have the operator, the first operator we'll look at. Mm, she says, I don't really like it, or maybe we only have an MVD. She'll hand that off, filling out the piece of paper and giving it to a second operator that's more experienced, been here longer, or a permanent staff member, and they will look at it independently to say, oh, do I like that signature or I don't? And so if that one likes it, she'll accept it or he. And then if they both agree they neither one, it goes to the problem team and it goes into the, the calling and the explanation, we can do that one. So we, we, get, we, we handle that one thing. We're not experts, but we know, to, we know what to look like. Some of the, the calls we'll get is, um, we'll take Chris, not that because you, because Chris, it's, your long name is Christopher, okay? But if they sign Chris blank, we, we can get the gist of it. You know, we know who that. William, they may sign Bill, you know, that one. I always sign mine F. Ann Rodriguez. But if you look at how I do, a, a, I spell my name Ann, I used to have beautiful N's. <laughs> the nuns taught me. I, now it's A and a line, you know, because we change as we get older, our penmanship and writing. So we know what we, the, the traits that we look for. And then we, we understand when husbands and wives or members of the household mix up their ballot affidavits. You know, we join that. We know it, and we kind of like move them together because we, we kind of understand that one. So those are the, the problems that we handle. It's not the biggest quantity, but it is some issues that we need to, to work through. That was Pima County recorder F.N. Rodriguez. We asked a few students at the University of Arizona if they plan on voting in the Democratic presidential preference election. Here's what they told us. I just have never done it, so I want to go and see what it's like. Uh, of course, it is important to vote, yes. You know, there's a lot of responsibility on us, and I think it's important to vote and, and make decisions, and make these kinds of decisions because, the, you know, our future depends on, on, on this uh, election, on every election that we have here in the country, yeah. Not the primary, but the the actual election, I'm worried that the Democratic Party won't be able to um, form together behind a single candidate. That was Carly Friedman, Juan Rivera, and Alyssa Fink. When voters get their ballots, they choose one candidate in each race, just one. But what if you could choose more than one and rank them? A growing national movement is pushing that method called ranked choice voting. Adam Friedman with Voter Choice Massachusetts recently sat down with us to talk about the idea. Joining us in that discussion was Frances Epson from the League of Women Voters of Greater Tucson. She thinks ranked choice voting could be the way to go for Arizona. We began our discussion with an explanation of ranked choice voting by Friedman. Ranked choice voting is a really simple upgrade to the way that we vote. So most Americans are familiar with voting in terms of you pick one candidate and that's it. Even if there's three, four, five, or 15 candidates in the race, you only get one vote. Now with ranked choice voting, you actually get to rank multiple choices on your ballot. You rank them in the order that you prefer them. You can pick your favorite as your first choice. Then you can pick a second choice, a third choice, and so on. As many candidates as there are running, you have the power to put them on your ballot as preferences. Why is it better? I speak at a lot of rooms and I ask people, raise your hand if you're sick and tired of negative campaigning. Every hand goes up. Raise your hand if you're worried sometimes about supporting a candidate you really like, but you're worried about throwing your vote away if you were to vote for them. 
most hands go up. Or you might want to vote for a front runner, but there could be someone in the race that's similar to that front runner that siphons votes away from them, what we call the quote unquote spoiler. And most hands go up in the room. Um, we also have problems of voter apathy and low voter turnout. And ranked choice voting is a an elegant way to cut through all of these problems and make sure that voters have a true voice and feel like they have a stake in elections. And also make sure that candidates with the best ideas, not just the biggest bank accounts or the most political you know, connections, have a shot at running and winning. Because with ranked choice voting, instead of just voting for one, a voter has the power to pick backup choices. So you might have one person that you, is your true favorite. You vote for them as your first choice. And then you get to pick backup choices. If that favorite cannot win the election, instead of your vote being thrown away, your vote is transferred. It's instantly counted for your next available ranking. And that way, every voter's voice counts. And everybody has a voice. Everybody's uh, ballot really stays in, in the game. Before we get too much further deep into the explanation, I don't want to ignore Francis okay. on this. So what's Arizona's role in this? Right now, we have what we'll call traditional voting. Mm -hmm. But you'd like to see that change. I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see us get away from just exactly what he was saying. Um, I read an article by a wonderful woman, uh, Rifko Knox, who is up in Phoenix. She's the legislative advocate for League of Women Voters. And um, she wrote, she explained what happened in the mayoral election in Phoenix uh, last year. She wrote this article in March in the Arizona Central, if anyone's interested. And uh, what happened was there was no majority, so they had to have um, a later runoff, and that cost the taxpayers about a million dollars, plus less voters turn out. When, when it doesn't happen instantly, the second time around, voters don't turn out. I like to see us overcome voter apathy. I speak to people all the time about, you know, how do you, know, how do you feel, you know, what do you, what do you like? And they go, oh, I don't vote because, you know, it doesn't make a difference. And so at League of Women Voters, we're also fighting against voter apathy. So you think this can improve turnout potentially? Absolutely. Uh, it, should turn, it should bring out turnout because all of a sudden now you don't have to worry about voting against someone. You can vote for someone. And when you're listening to, you know, the debates, let's say, you know, the, you won't, the, 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 uh, the candidates are not going to um, attack each other because if, if you're my, if you're my number one vote, uh, but, but he wants to be my number two selection, he's not going to attack you, is he? Because he doesn't want to upset the voter. So they're going to speak, they're going to have intelligence discourses on the issues instead of just attacking each other, which is what we're seeing a lot of today. So Adam, what does a ballot look like if we're using ranked yeah. choice voting and, and, and how does the voter fill it out? So here's the ranked choice voting ballot. Here's an example of what a ballot would look like. We're using the 2016 presidential election and we're kind of revisiting it and applying ranked choice voting to show voters what kind of power they would have if they had the power of rankings. And so a lot of voters, you know, a decent segment of voters wanted to vote for someone like a Jill Stein or a Gary Johnson. And we all know also Bernie Sanders is, is, has been an independent practically his whole political career. But he had to run and kind of get into the Democratic primary and go through that channel. With ranked choice voting, he can actually run as an independent without being a spoiler for, you know, in this, in this example, Hillary Clinton. And so he wouldn't be committing political suicide by running in the general election. This would allow him to stay true to himself. 
And it would allow voters to actually rank honestly who they want rather than hold their nose and choose the lesser of two evils, which is a big dilemma that voters are facing today. So a voter, let's say a voter really likes uh, one of the third parties and they, make, they put Jill Stein as their first choice. And then they like the Democrat as their second choice and they put Hillary Clinton as their second choice. And in the instant runoff that you use to counter ranked choice voting winner, if your favorite can't win, then your vote actually switches to your next ranking. And same for folks on the right side of the spectrum. They might like Gary Johnson, the libertarian. They put Gary Johnson as their first choice. And they like Donald Trump, the Republican, as their backup second choice. So now for the first time ever, voters can actually vote honestly and render their actual opinion on the candidates rather than make these complicated political calculations about who is the most viable, who's raised the most money, who's getting most media attention. And all that stuff goes out the window and you can vote with your heart, not just your strategic brain. And so it really liberates voters in America for the first time. And this is a majority to win as opposed to the, which would be 50% plus one, as opposed to the system we have now, which is a plurality, whoever gets the most mm -hmm. votes. That's correct. And Francis, this is not just an Arizona movement. We can find this in place, Maine statewide, and mm -hmm. Minneapolis uh, uses it, New York City is going to it. So this is a growing movement. Correct. Yes, and that's where I first became aware of it in Maine because I spent some time there in the summers and I saw what happened. An independent and a Democrat split and a very unpopular governor became the governor and twice over. So now Maine has passed ranked choice voting. They're the first in the, in the country and they're even going to use it for their federal elections. The next, the next domino effect was Massachusetts and that's where Adam came in. He was the founder of Voter Choice Massachusetts and they will have it on their ballot in 2020. And as you said, it's it's used in a lot of place, a lot of states in the country for uh, state and local elections. It's also used in many countries. It's used in Ireland, in Australia, in New Zealand, India. Um, yes. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Christopher. That was Adam Friedman and Francis Epson talking about ranked choice voting. You can see an example of a ranked choice voting ballot on our website. The deadline to register to vote in the upcoming presidential preference election is February 18th. Only registered Democrats can vote in that election. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor with production help this week from Vanessa Ontiveros. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.